It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Robin Rhodes is a quilt artist, and she hopes that her great-grandchildren will see a glimpse into not only her life, but also the life of the time. She likes to create things that can be recreated by others, but gives the freedom for them to make it their own through careful color and placement. At Neverland Quilting, Robin teaches how to tell your story through quilting so it's not forgotten. So happy to have Robin Rhodes with me today. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. It's very exciting to be here. I'm so glad you could be on. Let's start with, where were you born and raised? I was born in a small town called Antioch, Illinois. It's right on the eastern border of Wisconsin and Illinois. My entire family lives there from my grandmother on down to my cousins now. So we're a pretty tight-knit family. So we all grew up in the area. Nice to be able to be raised with your cousins. Yeah, it's really fun. And it was watching the generations because they're quite a bit younger than me. I babysat them and then they came along and babysat my children. And then my children have babysat their children. And so it's been a lot of fun. Oh, neat. Share a special childhood memory. I think my fondest childhood memory is spending time with my great uncle. He was more of a grandfather figure to me because my grandfather had passed away so long ago. One of my favorite memories with him is when I would go over to his house to, quote, weed his garden. And we would actually sit on, because he lived on the channel, we would sit at the channel and go fishing and then talk about whatever. And then he always saved some of his fudge cookies from the Keebler fudge cookies from the back of his freezer because he had to hide them because he was diabetic and my grandmother would catch him with them. So we'd always sneak those out and have some and then sneak them back into the back of his freezer so that she didn't know. Uh, you mentioned the channel. What waterway is that connected to? It is connected to the Channel Lakes. It's Fox Lake. I don't know how familiar you are with Illinois, but it's the chain of lakes that is right in Illinois, just south of the border with Wisconsin. There's, I want to say, seven lakes and then all the channels that connect them together. How neat. Yeah, so I spent lots of summers boating as well as fishing. Do you still get to fish? Not really. We still live in the area. I actually crossed the border to Salem, Wisconsin. It's still a small town. We do live on a lake, but I never really enjoyed the fishing. I actually just enjoyed being with my uncle. The whole concept of putting worms on hooks and unhooking fish kind of grossed me out back then and still kind of grosses me out now. But, you know, my son does fish, so... I refuse to clean fish. That's absolutely not. And so does my husband. So he takes them somewhere to get them clean. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was not my favorite pastime, but it was my favorite pastime because of my 
uncle. So yeah. Did you have employment before you got into your quilting business? I did. I actually went to school. I have my undergrad and my graduate's degree. My undergrad is in outdoor education. I've always been a big fan of the outdoors. So I went to school for that. And unfortunately, it was, I don't want to say a fad, but it wasn't kind of phased out after a while. My favorite job that I had back then, I got right out of college. I was the program director for a Girl Scout camp out in Harvard, Illinois. And we lived on the camp and I had my daughter at the time and she was two. So it was like the perfect environment to raise my child. But things change, management changes, and pretty soon they wanted me to take on a different role. At the time, it just wasn't going to fit. So I was about four months pregnant with my son and they wanted me to travel several hours a day and put my daughter in daycare. So it didn't really fit. At that time, I was lucky enough that my family owned a quilt business. They had a quilt shop in Antioch. And so I kind of went home with my tail between my legs and said, Mom, give me a job. She, of course, graciously let me join. And quilting history is from there. Oh, neat. I'm going to go back to you teaching the outdoors stuff. Yes. What drew you to want to teach outdoors stuff? Well, from the time that I was a little girl, I was probably four, if that, my mother was a Girl Scout camp director. And we spent our summers at a Girl Scout camp. That was just how things were up until I was 15. When I turned 15, they decided that you had to have a degree to continue working my mother's job. So she ended up leaving that seasonal job and I then made the determination because I had grown up that way, that if I was going to be a camp director or anything with the outdoors, I was going to have to get a degree. And so from the age of 15, I knew that my degree was going to be in outdoor education. That was one of the things everybody always looked at me kind of strange in high school when they were talking about what they wanted to get their degree in. And I was quick to respond with, I'm getting my degree in outdoor education. And a lot of people were kind of, what is that? And so it was an interesting journey, to say the least. I got a partial scholarship that they were not happy that that was my major. They were trying to convince me to do accounting because I was good at it. But there was no way I was going to go into accounting. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking you just said you were good at it and... I know this is probably later on because we're not to the quilting yet, but sometimes I wonder if that applies to the quilting. <laughs> oh, it does. It does very much. I was excellent in math. That's like one of the things that I try to instill in any of my students, because I do work with younger kids as well still, that math is so vital in everything, even in quilting. You've got to know your math. I don't know how often I sit there and go, okay, what's the rule for angles? I need to cut this this way or simple math of I need this much binding. So I think that played a big role in me becoming a diligent quilter. Mm -hmm. 
Well, my next question is, where do you live now? And how did you get there from where you were born and raised? But <laughs> yeah, it's not very far. And the actual reason that I got here was when I had my daughter, when I was a senior in college, I kind of met my husband on a very unlikely situation. He was my boss at the time while I was in college. And we ended up getting married when I was a junior and we had a honeymoon baby. So I had to do an internship since I had a two-year-old. I really couldn't go out to California where things were really popular or anything like that because I needed somebody to raise my two-year-old with me. And he had obviously had to work a full-time job. So I came back home. And from there... We bounced from apartment to apartment in Antioch in the area. And then it came time to buy a house and Wisconsin is a lot cheaper and the taxes are cheaper. And so it seemed natural to jump the border. So I never wandered very far from home. I think the furthest I've lived is maybe an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And that's coming from someone who swore that they were going to go out to the coast when they were in high school. So, you know, strange things happen sometimes. Yeah. It just makes me think we live on the border of West Virginia and Ohio. And okay. so we're in Ohio, but not for that reason. But yeah, certain taxes are more over in West Virginia. Yeah. So I get that. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? I used to do the scrapbooking. I got into it when my daughter was a baby because, you know, every new mom wants to do the memories of their children. Right now, I am very much involved in machine embroidery. I actually am looking at and begging and saving pennies to pick up a brother, Stellaire, which is an embroidery-only machine, but it is top of the line. So I'm saving my pennies for that, especially because my current embroidery machine, which is 20 years old, has finally broken down as of yesterday. Oh, no. So, so I'm, and of course, I'm in the middle of a project and it's just like any other sewing machine. If you're quilting and something happens to your sewing machine, it's like, you know, you get in the groove of something and all of a sudden you have to stop and it's devastating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, it's just like oh my gosh I can't believe this so we're really saving up our pennies so I can get back going to that my husband is so supportive of everything I do if he can swing it in any way he gets me what I need and what I want he spoils me a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's so neat yeah any other hobbies Obviously, I love the outdoors. I love camping. I love teaching STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math. I used to do it for the Kenosha YMCA, which is just the city closest to us. And the politics of a YMCA got to me. So I left that position. But I still work with our local community college, Gateway, has what's called the Fab Lab which has 3D printers, a CNC router, laser engraver, those kind of things. And so I spend a lot of time, well, whatever free time I have, up there at the lab with a friend of mine who runs it. And so we do that kind of stuff. I help him out teaching and 
things like that just because I enjoy doing it. And there's nothing to jump through the hoops of anybody else telling me what to do. So I'm one of those people that if you tell me what to do, I'm not real fond of you. And I <laughs> tend to do it the exact opposite of what you tell me. So <laughs> never quite meant for employment. <laughs> you know, I'm meant to be my own boss. <laughs> Sounds a little too familiar. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean I can't do this? I'll show exactly. you. Exactly. I'll show you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you think some of these other hobbies, how you've worked with them or what they are, how they show up in your quilting? Oh, definitely. I do a lot of embroidery on my quilts. I'm more of a quilt artist, so a lot of the embellishments that we used to have from scrapbooking, you know, they have all the metal embellishments now, and I'll use those on my quilts as well. The embroidery, of course, I'm using quite a bit on my quilting. One of the new things with the larger embroidery machines is that they can actually do continuous quilting on your quilts. So I'm starting to dabble in that. Just to see, you know, obviously it's not for really working for like a queen size quilt, but working mostly on wall hangings because of my art. So it's not that big of a deal. Oh, neat. Was it your mom that introduced you to quilting then? Yes, it was. I was actually 15 when they opened the store. And my very first quilt was, for lack of a better term, a crazy quilt. It was, how do I describe it? It was one of those things that I threw pieces together and I soon discovered I had to do partial seams and things like that. And that was my very first quilt. And so it was an experience, to say the least. I could probably repeat it now with a lot more skill. But honestly, I would never want to because partial seams are not a favorite of mine to work with. But at the time, I was really into the Tasmanian Devil. And so I made my first quilt with Tasmanian Devil fabric. And it was fussy cut, too, because I fussy cut some of the fabric so that the devil was in the middle, the mm -hmm. Tasmanian Devil. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was not a repeat, that's for sure. But I quickly learned the proper way to do the quilting when I started really working with her. Because when I was in high school, I was kind of like, "Ugh, I got to go to the shop today. I was like, like with any family business, you know, I can't go to the movies because I have to go work at the shop, you know. <laughs> and I didn't get paid. So that didn't help. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have that first quilt? I do not. I don't know what happened to it. Probably my mom had it somewhere or she gave it to me for college and I have no idea where it is. Mm. That's so bad. it is because I would love to show, you know, like students who are learning how to sew. This is how you don't do it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> do you have a favorite quote you've done? I do. Back when we had the shop, I worked with Maywood Studios quite a bit, and they came out with a Halloween line, and Halloween is my favorite holiday. So they asked me to design a quilt for it, 
And I then designed a huge haunted house. It's probably about a double in size. And it's some applique, some quilting, uh, like art quilting, some piecing. I even did one of the things that we've always done is photo transfers. So we have our own special way of preparing the fabric. It's similar to the bubble jet where it leaves it kind of soft, but it's a different chemical that we use. So it comes out a little more vibrant. So I did some of that with some of my husband's artwork. He's an artist. I love mixing his artwork with my embroidery and quilting. So that was my favorite. It went to market and I got to go to market with it. And at the time I was 22 or 23. So I was still in that stage where I thought I knew everything. And so I got a little cocky while at market. I'm like, that's my quilt and my pattern. And, (laughs) you know, I know what I'm doing. But yeah, that one by far is my favorite. And I even had the door swung open because I love dimensional things. So the door would swing open and it had one of those music buttons. And when you opened it, it was the sound of a creaking door and like a ghost. I went all out on that. I think since the time I was in my early 20s, I was drawn more to art quilting than to the traditional quilts. Huh. I'm trying to picture that would be so much fun to open that door and it oh, yeah, make a sound. Cool. Yeah. And I still have that. That's one of the display pieces that I use whenever I go to crafting fairs nowadays, which isn't too often because people don't understand the effort and time that goes into a quilt as well as the materials. So they kind of turn their nose up at my prices. So I'm doing more Etsy and whatnot nowadays. But yeah, unless someone has the background or know someone that quilts, they just don't don't get it. No, they don't. Do you have a tool that you feel like you just couldn't do without? I do. It's kind of a set of tools. It's my creative grid rulers, and I have been a fan of them since I was 20. I have probably all but one or two sizes of it. What I love about it is it's crystal clear and it doesn't chip very well or fade. The lines on them are in white and then they also have black lines. So if you're measuring like a dark fabric, you don't lose that line. And then it also has one side of it going down is half by half inch. So there's an extra half inch on the end. So it's like the first big mark is one and a half, two and a half, three and a half. And then if you flip it, it's just the regular one, two, three. So, and of course it's got grippies on the bottom because otherwise I'm like notorious for slipping and ruining my fabric. I've heard a lot of good about creative grids. Yeah, I love them. How about a favorite part of the quilting process, or do you like all those steps? I absolutely love the design process. You'll see me so often, and it's funny because I have design software, and I have a pen for my computer. It's touchscreen. But so often you'll see me with graph paper 
or with a blank piece of paper sketching it out. I am by far not a typical artist. I joke, I leave the artwork to my husband and my daughter. I draw stick figures. That's about the extent of my art drawing capability. But I get visions in my head and a lot of times working with the software, I can draw better things. But my initial is always on graph paper. Hmm. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. Ooh, I, <laughs> I know that one. I did commission quilts for a long time, t-shirt quilts, memory quilts. I've just about sewn everything together that can be sewn together. And if I haven't done it, I'll try it once. If it works, I'll do it again. The one thing that really came to mind that I will never do again is horse ribbon quilts. So this woman brought me several of the champion horse ribbons and several of the regular standard first, second, third ribbons. And they had been displayed in a barn. And she didn't do anything to cover up the smell or clean them up. They were dirty and smelled so bad. I joke that I smelled like a horse barn for two weeks after I finished it. It was just a nightmare trying to get it all tacked down. I did the border and nothing but the ribbons. And I think the one what got me the worst was that she came to pick it up and she was not totally happy with it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what do you mean you're not happy with it? We went from step to step showing you what was going on. And you're not appreciating how much I put into this. And I think the main thing is she wasn't totally happy with the price, Mm -hmm. which I, of course, underpriced myself because I always do that. But yeah, that was probably my worst quilt experience that I've ever dealt with. Wow. It went to the smell and I was expecting it to be so slick or something that it was hard to work with. It was, yeah, it was a little difficult, but I'm always, you know, up for a challenge. Like we said earlier, you know, if you tell me I can't do it, you better believe I'm going to do it. (laughs) Why do you think you make quilts rather than spending your time on doing something else? Part of it is, for lack of a better term, my legacy. It reminds me, again, being of a tight-knit family, my father and my mother ran the quilt shop and sold sewing machines. And it was a good part of my life. And I really feel that I can express myself in my art quilts more so than like scrapbooking is so rigid. You know, you have these layouts that you do. And and to an extent, quilting is as well, where you have all the different blocks that you can do. But the quilts that I do aren't really that way. There may be some block piecing involved, but for the most part, it adds a flair, which I'm quite a flair kind of person, I guess. My favorite thing is fairies. I actually, in my younger years, my best friend said I looked like a fairy and she drew pictures of me with fairies and all of that kind of stuff. So that's just kind of my personality. So the scrapbooking never really caught on. The embroidery, I do a lot of my own designs, but it ties into the sewing and the quilting aspect of life. So 3D printing, 
has the same design situation. I guess that my big favorite thing to do is design. But yeah, quilting has always been just a draw to me. I'll go off and try new things and then I just come back to quilting. Yeah. Who do you make your quilts for? Sometimes I make them for other people. I do commission quilts, though I'm getting away from that. A lot of times I'll do them for my kids, my family, my best friend, who is really like a sister to me. But a lot of times it's self-expression. They hang all over my house, just like my husband's artwork does. So it kind of complements that. But I don't spend a lot of time on quilts for other people. I don't think I get the same satisfaction from being able to just express myself. It's kind of one of those things when you do commission quilts for so long, it's what everybody else wants. Mm -hmm. And now I've gotten to a point where it's what I want, what really speaks to me. What are you working on right now? Right now I am working on a pattern design. I call it the Zentangle pattern. Are you familiar with the Zentangle? No, I'm uh, not. Movement? Okay. So Zentangle is a kind of a drawing meditation. You make a box and you draw just wavy lines throughout it and you fill each of the sections that are created with small doodles. So what I have taken is I have two types of patterns for it. One of them has got a base fabric and uses fusible to fuse down the different sections because I use different fabric for each section, different shades of white. And then it's a quilt as you go kind of pattern. So each block that you finish, you're going to quilt it up and then you move on to the next square and it's all in black and white except I sometimes like to throw one little embellishment that's a color. And then the other one is actually curved piecing. I like to have it so that there's a pattern for people who are beginners and a pattern for those who are a little more daring because I don't want to shut out anyone with my art quilts that are overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind of, oh my God, it's got curved piecing. I'm not going to do it. So that's what I'm working on right now is finishing up the sample for that. I'm testing out a lot of different fusibles. There's the standard heat and bond light, but I'm not real fond of how stiff that still is. So there's things like Misty Fuse that's a newer or I guess not as popular product and a few others that I'm testing out and they're very soft and I'm really liking them. The only problem is they're more expensive and they're not as easily accessible to people, you know. But with online sales now, I hate to take away from a local quilt shop, but they all carry mostly heat and bond light. And I'll be doing a probably a YouTube video of testing those different stabilizers. That would be cool. Yeah. Share a tip that you like to give. Well, I could say accuracy is important, but I think any mistake is just a learning process and can be found to add character to a quilt. So don't be afraid to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you joined your mom's quilting business, and I'm assuming you made quilts, and it was a hobby for yourself. So how did you go from it being a hobby for yourself to having a business of your own? Well, when they closed the shop, I was 24. So for a while, we kept, we have a long arm quilting machine. And so we kept doing it. I don't know if it was ever strictly a hobby for me, just because of the way that I was put into it, the way that I kind of fell into doing the business. But I did start to do more for myself. Well, I still have the long arm, but we're getting ready to sell it. So since I really stopped doing commission quilts, it's almost like it's going back to a hobby in some ways, but Mm -hmm. staying the business. So I have a lot more time to do my own thing instead of having a stack of quilts waiting to be quilted. Yeah. And how long have you been in business? As myself, as Neverland Quilts, I have been in business for about five years. In the shop, it was Quilter's Dream, and that was in business for 10. Then we went to One of a Kind Quilting, which was my mother's business of just long arming. And then when my grandmother moved in with my mom, that kind of died down because obviously we had to take care of grandma. And then the quilting machine was brought over here and I really did just odds and ends kind of things until I decided that, you know, I've tried corporate world and it's, it's just not a fit for me. So I decided to then go off on my own and really make a go of Neverland Quilting. Let's jump to that name of Neverland Quilting. How did you come up with that? Well, one of my favorite characters, of course, is Tinkerbell. I was known in high school and with amongst my other friends as Tink, because I also tended to tinker with things as well as be into the fairies. My mother's name is Wendy, so it just kind of seem natural to look at the Peter Pan aspect. And with Peter Pan being in the public domain now, it was not a big deal to look at Neverland. It just fit. It really did. It was just my whimsical side of me, what I want to express in my quilting is really, you know, never grow up. Mm -hmm. Always learn, always be a kid look at things through a kid's eyes. So it seemed natural to go with Neverland for my name. Yeah. It was fun reading on your website about (laughs) Wendy and Tink. So it falls in place. That's really cool. Yeah. Now you've had some workshops. Yes. How did you feel when someone first signed up for a workshop you were going to give? Well, I've been teaching in person at my local quilt shop for a couple of years. So that was with teaching at my parents' shop. It wasn't as exciting. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, we can do this. But these online classes, I was so excited when I got to do my first one. So nervous just because I think my biggest thing is when you're doing a Zoom class or whatever way that you do it in, you see yourself. And that is probably the most nerve-wracking thing 
to deal with because when you're standing in front of a group, you're in your head, you're flying along with them, you're interacting with them. Whereas when you're online, you can still interact, but it's not quite the same thing. Hmm. You know, you can't have side conversations as they're working on projects. It's definitely a great way to reach more quilters. I could have someone from your area take one of my classes. But I also want to continue doing some in-person classes just because, one, they're a great way to test out my class and practice and, you know, because I can get feedback. But it's also that personal connection that we've all missed for the last year and a half. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm doing my second online retreat in September. Those are so much fun. You really get to, because there's a Facebook group that I do it through. So you really do get to have that interaction. You know, it's a little different. It's not in the moment, except when I'm doing the online retreat, I tend to be at the retreat Mm -hmm. quite a bit. But yeah, it's probably my favorite of my online classes because I love retreats. I love doing retreats. There was a time that in my bouncing between trying to find my business, I was going to open a retreat center. It was just the physicality of it that I couldn't manage financially. So having the ability to do online retreat without having to have a center and letting everyone have access to their entire stash while on the retreat. It's so much fun. You don't think about that. Then people didn't have to pack everything up and it's all right there. So that's pretty exactly. Neat. Yeah. They also have the option to run out to the store during the time and not be limited to whatever the local shop is. Yeah. Now, do I understand that you have made patterns also? Yes. We actually have a line of patterns coming out that are remakes of the ones that we had at the quilt shop. Those are my, I haven't quite decided what to name them, but those were mostly patterns from my mother. They're traditional patterns for the most part. So they didn't fit into my line of the quilt patterns, but we decided that we wanted to do like a heritage line where we brought in what would attract the more traditional quilters. I have a philosophy that art quilts can be done by anyone and that by putting patterns out, it gives them, they're all technique based. So my stained glass pattern is a technique that, and I do go into how you can create your own images for a stained glass pattern, what's the best type of image and what's going to be problematic. The one that I do have for sale right now that's the stained glass is a geometric shape because it's the easiest to do. And the great thing about that is you end up with a reverse of it. So you end up with two quilts instead of just one. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, the Zentangle pattern I'm working on. And the last one is what I call the snippets. So it's fusible applique to create things like the one I have up is a pansy that we're working on. And I do teach that class at my local quilt shop. Oh, neat. 
So you're still getting to teach locally now or it's yeah. going to start up again? Yeah. With the mandate for the mask coming down and as, you know, as we get back to in-person things and opening up, I have taught, I mean, I keep it to a minimum of like four to five people because that's about what her classroom can fit. But yeah, I'm back to teaching in person. Nice. Before we finish up here, I did want to ask you about your mom. Obviously, you saw your mom take care of your grandma, and now you're helping with your mom. So can you tell me about that? My father passed away. It was 2017, so it's been about four or five years. And they actually lived across the street from me because both my parents had health that was failing. So when my father passed away, my mother thought she was going to be all independent and have a great life, but she kept falling. And so I had actually moved them partially for that reason to across my street because otherwise I was driving 20 minutes every time she fell because my father couldn't help her up or I'd be driving 20 minutes to the hospital because we had to call 911. So after her fourth or fifth fall after my father passed away, the paramedic chief of the fire department said to me, he said, I'm giving you a week. You've got to move her into your house. It wasn't like he could really do anything, but because we had called him out almost every time. And he said, we can't keep doing this. She needs to live with you. And now. So we kind of packed up her things and moved them over here. We had an extra room built down in our basement so that my daughter could move downstairs. And we put my mom in the biggest room upstairs for a while. She had a stroke a couple of years ago, but it didn't affect her the way that it affects most people. So she's still very much a fall risk. I think the hardest thing is raising her, so to speak. I'm a daughter mom, is what I like to say. And sometimes we have arguments over what's best. It's kind of a role reversal of what it used to be when I was 20. But she's still very cognitive. And there's a lot of times I'll bring up colors of fabric and go, okay, mom, which one of these blues would go best with these? What do you think? Now, granted, if she doesn't pick the one that I ultimately, in my gut, feel is right, I still take the one that I feel is right. Because that goes back to the, if you tell me it doesn't work, I'm going to make it work. Mm -hmm. So, But once in a while, I do listen. But yeah, there's a lot of things I'll talk to her about. What thread color I should use? What do you think this? So I look at her as kind of a consultant. And I think it's important to give her still purpose because she doesn't quilt much anymore. We try and pull our sewing machine out for her every now and then upstairs. And, okay, mom, let's go. I really push her to actually still sew. Yeah. Because I know it's important. She is a writer, so she's been working on some books. But I think it's really important to get her doing other things and focusing on, you know, different things that will work her mind more than just telling a story. Yeah. It's a hard road to travel sometimes. It is. She's very stubborn. 
So sometimes when the doctors tell her she needs to do something, she decides she's not going to do it. And then a lot of times they look at me and they say, why aren't you making her do it? And I always look back at them. I said, she's my mother, not my child. She's got a mind of her own and I can't force her to use a walker in the house. I can't force her to wear her braces on her ankles. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. So now we know where you got it from. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That and my dad. My dad was the most stubborn man I've ever known and the most driven. If he wanted something, he would go after it. Not long before my dad died, my mom told him, you're stubborn. He said, I'm consistent. She said, yes, you're consistently (laughs) stubborn. (laughs) Yes, very much so. I know when my dad got sick and he lost a lot of weight, I actually threatened because he didn't like the doctor. And I threatened to him. I said, if you don't go to the doctor now, I'm going to knock you over the head, drag you out to my car and take you myself. (laughs) And granted, he did get in my car of his own free will. And we took him to the doctor and found out that he had stage four pulmonary fibrosis. Oh, wow. So it was kind of just a matter of time then. Mm-hmm. And of course, I could have killed him because if he had gone to the doctor years ago, it could have been a different story. But I got to spend enough time with him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big part of my life. It's actually his birthday today. So we're going to celebrate with Hostess Cherry Pies, because that was his favorite, and a, um old-fashioned drink, because that was his favorite alcohol drink. Oh, wow. I can't stand them, but I still drink it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been fun to share with you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh-huh. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.